Leadership File on Premier. Welcome to the show which helps you lead where God has placed you. I'm Andy Peck. It was the Apostle Paul who famously wrote to his young friend Timothy, Godliness with contentment is great gain, 1 Timothy 6.6. But I wonder if you would describe yourself as a contented leader. And if you aren't, would you know what to do to improve your contentment levels? Well, I'm joined this week by the author of a new book, The Five Habits of Deeply Contented People. His name is Andrew Page. He's a former student worker in the UK and Austria, including pastoring Innsbruck Baptist Church. Andrew returned to the UK in 2007 to his home church of Above Bar Church, Southampton, where, among other things, he leads the Mark drama, more of which later. And in the interest of full disclosure, we have known each other many years, Andrew. In fact, we were at college together in uh, Crumb's mid-80s. Uh, something like that, yes. So welcome, welcome. And in fact, I was aware of you as a sister minister at Above Bar Church when I was on the Isle of Wight. So I recall you leading a communion service probably in the early 80s. So there you go. I have no memories of that <laughs> at all, but I'm sure you're right. <laughs> so welcome. Welcome to the Thank leadership you. Um I mean, you've served in a, a variety of leadership roles. I mean, what, when, when was your most contented, do you think? As... I, I think that's an impossible... <laughs> I, think, I think I'm most contented now. Um I think I'm contented if I if I'm doing something that God's called mm. me to do. Yeah. Um, obviously, I've had really hairy times, bad times, times when I thought I don't want to to mm. to do this. I want to go to heaven immediately. Mm. Um, but I would say now I can't think of a more contented time than I'm experiencing. Well, it's, well, it's lovely. Wonderful. It's great. Yeah. yeah, it's wonderful. Great, great, good to hear. Now, I mean, your your book con- concerns five habits to cultivate for a con- Tented life. It doesn't assume that the reader is a Christian, which is which is lovely in terms of if you're listening um, and you know you think this might be a book for someone who's discontented. We're not sure. It's wonderfully accessible for non-believers, which I would say that um, it doesn't assume that the is a Christian. Uh, and you add a sixth habit for those who embrace Christianity. So, I mean, how did the the, the, the book come about? Oh well, it would all started with me thinking about what it means to be made in God's image. Okay. Uh, any reading I'd ever done on the image of God seemed to me to be so complicated yes, and so indeed. abstract. I didn't know what it meant. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I was intrigued by the whole idea. And then I looked more closely at Genesis 2 and thought, well, there are actually some mm. things that Adam does here, mm. which seem to me to be things that only human beings can do uh, yeah. because they're made in God's image. And if we do those things, then we're being truly ourselves. Mm. And that applies to people whether they believe in God or not, if we do those five things, mm. then we'll be more contented because we're being the people that we really are deep down. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I thought about that over a number of years and wasn't sure if I could actually write about it, but it got to the point when I thought, come on, have a go, try to write it. And, and amazingly, I'm very thankful to God I could and I did. Yeah, no, wonderful. Okay, so what I'm going to suggest we do is look look at the five habits because I do think that they are um, they're valuable for leaders listening. Um, you know, s- some will be wonderfully contented, but many, sadly, uh, you know, for various reasons, uh, perhaps not not contentment levels would not be high as they're listening to this. So, um, and I mean, I'm fascinated. The, the, the habit one, enjoy beauty. So talk about that a little bit. Well, um, I just explained the background to yes, that indeed. Sure, sure. Uh, because uh, in the Genesis 2 account, it says that in the garden, 
there were trees that were good for food but also pleasing to the eye and the only eye available is Adam's mm. so obviously the the garden was beautiful so right from the beginning, enjoying beauty was part of what it means to be human. In a way that I don't think dogs, I don't can't prove this, but I don't think dogs enjoy beauty. Um, so that's where, well, that, that's the background of that. And it's a case of finding a kind of beauty that, that draws me. For some people it is nature. Uh, for some other people it's a mathematical equation or it's music. Uh, there are all kinds of different sorts of beauty and we're going to relate differently to different kinds of beauty. So I would say, I, I, I think if, if I'm in a leadership capacity in a church context and I'm struggling because of my work, I don't, I don't think there's any magic solution to suddenly being contented with my work. But I think if I try and find some area of beauty in my life that I can focus on, even if it's just once a day for a few minutes, and enjoy that beauty, it'll uh, lift my heart to God, and I will find myself being more contented and more able to cope with the stresses and disappointments of whatever ministry I happen to be struggling with, if I am struggling. And you said for some that is nature. If you're living in a, you know, an urban jungle, uh, I mean, it can be beautiful architecture, of course. Yeah. But but there's something about being away from that. I mean, London has plenty of lovely parks, for example. Yeah. But it could also be looking looking at a film, mm. which just has beautiful mm. pictures of nature. If that's what excites you. Yeah. I mean, I'm not the kind of person who wants to go for long walks for its own sake. I mean, I I. I I walk from A to B, but I don't really want to go for a four-hour trek. Mm. That doesn't. But music is something, mm. and so, so and I often have music on in the background. But sometimes just deliberately to say, okay, I'm not mm. going to have it on in the background. I'm going to stop everything else, and the next 15 minutes, I'm going to listen to this favourite bit of music, and really focus on it. Oh, it's just wonderful. It gives me new energy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that's the first habit. As a second habit is is dig your garden, which I'm, again I'm sure you'll relate back to, to Genesis two. Yeah, um, well, it's, it's kind of fairly obvious in a Genesis two context because God says to Adam, you know, look after the garden, mm. dig dig it. Um, I'm very relieved to say this doesn't have to be taken literally because I'm not into gardening <laughs> at all. I'm pretty well allergic to gardening. I think dig your garden. You can apply it to look after wherever God has put you. Now, in Adam's case, that was the garden. But in everyone's case, it's, for instance, where you live. It's your room or your flat or your house. Um, I find it really interesting if I visit somebody, a friend who's very down, then it may well be that the room they're living in or the flat they're living in is a tip because we just it, it links. We just don't look after our garden. We don't look after where we are. Um, so it can be it can be looking after the place we live in um uh, and an example of that something that helps me massively it's it's a if if i'm feeling down and i'm struggling and i'm feeling a bit depressed um if i've got 10 minutes if i can cope for 10 minutes to go to the kitchen clear take everything out of one cupboard only one cup i haven't got the energy for more than one cupboard take everything out of the cupboard wipe it with a damp cloth put everything back in 
and think, oh, actually, the Marmite would be better on the right because I can reach it more easily. And I just put everything back. It only takes me 10 minutes. I will actually feel better. Hmm. And it works. And it's because it's habit too. It's digging your garden. Another way, another thing is is tidying your desk. I mean, I think people with really untidy desks, and I am sometimes one of those people where I have a piling system and not a filing system. Um, uh, If I tidy my desk, I will feel better afterwards because I'm digging my garden. And my garden is not only where I live, it's also my body because that's also where I live. So it's kind of looking after that as well. I'm amazed how this works, I have to say. It doesn't solve all my problems, but it does give me deeper contentment levels. Yep, splendid, good. Uh, and then habit three is is practice self-control, which again, if people know Genesis 2, was 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 a failure of, of yeah. Adam and Eve. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I think it's one we tend to struggle with when I tell people the five habits. They're, they're not enthusiastic about <laughs> this. Um, and yet... All of us actually do exercise self-control in certain areas and we feel the better for it. And if we meet someone who seems unable to practice self-control, we actually feel sorry for them. Our hearts go out to them. Mm. Um, so if I make the decision, uh, the ex- one example I use in the book is if I've been shopping and I've come home with loads of loads of stuff and I put everything away and I'm tired and I've done it all and then I think I'd love a bowl of ice cream. Well, great, and I have a bowl of ice cream, but knowing me, I have a bowl of ice cream, and I think, well, I've just bought an awful lot of ice cream. Uh, I could have another bowl of ice cream, and I could, and, you know, it's not a sin, but I could easily have three or four or five. I could spend the next hour eating ice cream, and actually I know, and I think everybody knows this, if if I do that, I will enjoy it while I'm eating it, but I will feel bad afterwards. Not just because I'm over full, but because I've actually let myself down. Mm. Whereas if I said, I'm gonna have only one bowl of ice cream, I might have another bowl tomorrow. I will enjoy the ice cream and I'll actually feel better about myself Mm. after that. So it's looking for areas where I can exercise self-control. I will feel better about myself. And obviously, you know, this, you know, you're not making the point about sin particularly, but obviously there's a, you know, there's an element of that that, that is self-controlled in areas where there's prohibitions on things. Yeah, moral areas moral too. Areas. Yes, obviously. I don't think of ice cream as a moral area. No, no, but, no. <laughs> but but clearly there are yeah. moral areas where we need to exercise self-control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you know, leaders listening could be, you know, could be facing all, all manner of temptations. We know that that's yeah. potentially the case. Sure. Um, Okay, um, and then the the next habit uh, is be creative, and then I want to um, maybe at the other side of the break talk a bit about how you've been creative in terms of your own work. But the the be creative uh, element is was important as the yeah I love this I love it's it's a of of the one of the bits of Genesis chapter two that makes me smile when God brings the animals to Adam and says what are you going to call them, and I think it's extraordinary that just after God has shown his creativity by creating all this amazing um, universe, that he actually says to Adam, you you decide what to call them. I, I, I would have expected God just to put labels on all the animals. <laughs> so I think it's wonderful that Adam is being invited to be creative and everybody is creative. It's part of being, being a human being. It's just that a lot of people don't think they are. 
So there are some people we know of as creative musicians, uh, writers. We we know that they're creative, but a lot of people. Uh, if you ask a room full of people, who here is creative? Less than half the room will put their hands up because people don't think they are. Uh, and somebody once said, and I think there's probably some truth in this that a lot of us have the creativity educated out of us. So we're creative at school, you know, we'll we'll do paintings and things, even though they're not really very good, but we do them, we love doing them. But by the time we've reached the end of school, we're, we're just so focused on getting the exams that creativity is not something that figures. Yeah. Um, so it's it can be something like writing a poem, even if I never show it to somebody. Uh, for some people, it's, it's uh, playing a piece of music or it's learning an instrument. Um, it's looking for a way in which I can be creative. Yeah. You're listening to Leadership Fun with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by uh, Andrew Page. He's the author of a new book, The Five Habits of Deeply Contented People. We'll be back just after this. Welcome back to the Leadership Fun with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Andrew Page. He's the author of a new book, The Five Habits of Deeply Contented People. And we're looking through the habits. We've uh, got to habit uh, four, which is be creative. And at this point, I wanted to ask Andrew a little bit about uh, the development of um, uh, of the Mark drama, which I mentioned in the introduction, which may have um, piqued your interest if you were listening. Um, so, Andrew, you developed a, quite an extraordinary um, drama based around Mark's gospel. Uh, so how did that come about? How, what was the your creative... Um, uh, impetus shall we say for for that well it began um when i was invited i was in austria living in austria as a missionary i was asked to speak at a conference on mark's gospel and i said which bit of mark's gospel do you want me to speak on and they said all of it so i started studying it and and started coming up with a structure of mark that actually meant you could learn the order of the events off by heart i wasn't thinking of a drama at this point um and I so I did the, the talks at this conference and stuff and then I thought what else could you do with this structure and then I thought wow maybe you could do a drama and I don't know why but I knew it would have to be in the round so it's completely in the round it's not on a stage at the front the uh, the, the chairs are in circles there's a small center circle and then three aisles for the actors to get in and out and I and I worked out that you could do it with 15 actors eight men seven women um, and I worked out that you could do it with actually minimal rehearsal time. Uh, I, that took me a bit longer to work that out. Um, so the, the rehearsal time, you get uh, rehearse, first rehearsal Thursday evening, second rehearsal Friday evening, third rehearsal is Saturday 9 till 4, and then the performances are Saturday evening and Sunday evening. So it's done with about 10 to 12 hours rehearsal. And it's every incident in Mark's Gospel. It's not every word from the Gospel, although the Jesus actor has learned pretty well all the Jesus words from Mark's Gospel. But a lot of the rest of it is improvised, and we there's no script. We have Mark's Gospel while we're rehearsing. And obviously it's the director's job, whether that's me or another director, to help people to come up with stuff that is faithful to the Bible, but also helps the thing to come alive. But it's every incident from the whole of the gospel. I'm still surprised. I mean, that it's been going for, I don't know, 13 years, and I'm still amazed that it happens. 
And if you'd asked me after the first production, which was in German in Austria, where else will this happen? I'd have said, well, it'll happen in a few other churches in Austria. And my home church, Above Bar Church, Southampton, will do it on compassionate grounds because they love me. <laughs> but I would not have thought it would spread. I mean, it's in 20 countries. So I'm really surprised and very thankful to mm. God. Well, I remember being at the Above Bar Church one. So it was terrific. Yeah. But um, as you say, and, and I mean, you've you've directed this many times. Is it are you kind of um, are you amazed at how how the thing happens in terms of people of all kind of walks of life being able to memorize it? Yeah, I, I am actually. I mean, I, I, I think if you if you have a team of 15 people where none of them have ever seen a marked drama, mm. they come to the first rehearsal thinking, why did I say yes to this? <laughs> Is this just going to be embarrassing? Mm. Uh, by the end of the first rehearsal, when we do a run through of the first quarter of Mark's Gospel, they are buzzing. They are amazed. They are so excited. Uh, and one of the things that me makes that happen is the power of the Jesus words. If the Jesus actor really knows his words well, then when he's speaking these words out, even though you've heard them before, if you're a Christian and you've read the gospel, it grips you in a way, in a new way. You're hearing, hearing these words in a different mm. context and uh yeah i'm i'm astonished how the thing works i've i've never had a i've directed it probably i don't know 130 times something like that and i've never had a production that hasn't worked well i've had productions that where i've had more struggles than others of course mm. don't let me go into all of that mm. uh but it's always powerful because of course you know it's all leading up to the to the crucifixion and the resurrection and when you get into that final part when you get the uh, you get gethsemane and the arrest and the trials and the cross and the resurrection uh, that is just incredibly powerful and because the center circle is so small there are only 12 chairs in the center circle the audience is actually remarkably close to the action. It's not like it's a long way away. And that increases the impact of the thing. The other thing that increases the impact is on the audience is that um, the action doesn't just happen in the centre circle. It also happens in the aisles and behind the audience. If I can give you just two examples quickly. One is in the pilot scene uh, when... Uh, well, this is the only example. that This is so powerful. When pilot's in the middle in the middle of the circle and Jesus and a soldier and the high priest and two Pharisees and the moment comes in that scene when Pilate says what should I do with Jesus and then the high priest and the two Pharisees who are in the center circle and the rest of the team who are standing behind the back row of the audience they all start shouting kill him crucify him nail him to a cross for at least half a minute which is long and it's loud because the sound is coming from all around them the audience, even though they're not shouting, they feel like they're part of this crowd. Whereas if, if, if it was on a stage at the front, the audience might just be sitting there thinking, oh, they're doing this very well. But because it's happening all around them, they think, oh. And you can see some audience members cringing because they don't want to be part of this crowd. So I'm always surprised at how powerful the gospel is whenever I do a mock drama. 
Well, <clears throat> towards the end of the um, interview, we'll um, mention how people can get in touch okay. with you. Yeah, mm -hmm. because uh, this will have piqued some people's interest, I'm sure, in, in doing it. So a couple more habits to, to look at. Well, the fifth in terms of the, the, the book itself, The Five Habits. So we've looked at habit four, be creative. Habit five, embrace others. Right. Well, in Genesis 2, of course, that's that's Adam and Eve. That's marriage. Mm. Um, but obviously it's broader than that because people who, whether they're single or married, they also need friends, mm. uh, people who they can relate to. <clears throat> and it's part of our humanity that we need that. Um, so loneliness is one of the big curses of our society where people have no one to embrace. I mean, some people who are very lonely might have a dog or a cat to embrace, which is good. But it's not as good as if it's another human being. Um, so it's relating to other people, uh, letting other people know that they matter to us. Uh, and that might be a very good friend that we meet up with regularly. But it, we can embrace, we can embrace other, we can embrace the person who uh, is doing at the, at the till in the supermarket i wouldn't recommend doing it literally hmm. but it it you just the way i talk that i don't just ignore this person and give them money and walk off but i can actually relate to them as a person hmm. and it does them good but it doesn't just do them good it does me good hmm. same applies to the bus driver it applies to strangers it applies to acquaintances it applies to friends obviously it applies to husband and wife as well when we show care and respect f and love for others mm. it doesn't just do them good yeah. and then just finally before we we, we, we close um, the habit six which of course is, is part of the appendix is is relating to God so you're encouraging folk who've read this book and, and are benefiting from the values yeah. to then you say well actually there's there's reasons why you need to connect with God Absolutely. I mean, Genesis 2, it's, it's, it's wonderful how Adam and God are relating to one another. And, and that relationship was broken through the fall in Genesis chapter 3, uh, but can be restored through what Jesus did on the cross. And that's the great good news of the gospel. So, yes, it's all, habit 6 is about relating to God and s spending life with God. So talking to God about stuff, not just once a day uh, reading the Bible or once a day having a time of prayer, uh, but actually sharing things with him. So when I see the, a, a beautiful sunset, not just thinking, that's amazing, but saying, that's amazing, Lord, thank you. Uh, but I can, I can, so I can turn all these habits, I can use all these five habits as a as a way of relating to God as well, talking to Him about it. So it's about spending the whole of life with the Lord. The Spirit lives in us uh, when we when we're trusting in Jesus, and He wants to help us to relate to God as our Father. It's wonderful. Oh, wonderful stuff. Yeah. Well, thank you for the book. It is terrific. I would encourage. It. It's it's um, published by VTR Publications. Yep. And available. Uh, you can get it on Amazon. You can get it at ten of those. You can get it. I don't know where else. Okay, splendid. Okay, then. Um, and then just uh, if folk have been interested, they think, hang on, this Mark drama thing sounds fun to, to maybe do in our, in our church or in our youth group or wherever. How would they get in touch? Well, they can go to the website. The website is themarkdrama.com. Um, and there's an email address there you can contact me on. But the, the website has lots of information about it. And there are some comments from church leaders and things um, who uh, recommend it. Uh, so that's the that's the best way to start. 
Um, and it, it, is a, it is a great thing to do, not only because it's good for Christians to, to be in and good for Christians to watch, but it's also a very easy invite. You know, there are people who wouldn't yet go to Alpha or Christianity Explored or whatever, but they might come to a drama. And if they come to the Mark drama, they will experience every incident from the whole of Mark's gospel. I might sign up for something afterwards or say, hey, I've seen the drama. I want to read the book. So they'll take a Mark's gospel with them. Mm. So that would be the thing to do, to, to go to the website, uh, themarkdrama.com, and have a look and see. And then get in touch if you've got questions or want to ask more. Andrew, it's, it's been wonderful to chat with you. Thank well, you. thank you. Thank you for coming in. And uh, do, um, as, as, as Andrew's encouraged you, go to the Mark Drama website and find out more. And you can find out uh, the five habits of deeply contented people by uh, going uh, online and uh, and ordering it for yourself. I, I do commend the, the book to you. So thank you, Andrew. Thank you. And thank you for listening. Do uh, tune in uh, to Premier next uh, Sunday at 3.30. In fact, obviously tune in to Premier any time I like. But um, particularly for The Leadership File next Sunday at 3.30. God bless. You've been listening to The Leadership File on Premier. Andy Peck serves as a tutor at CWR, a Christian charity whose courses and publications aim to apply God's word to everyday life. Contact him via email apeck at cwr.org.uk. 